Awesome. Well, thank you, Julian, very much for leading us today. Well, good morning, everybody, once again. Uh, if some reason you just jumped right in, uh, for those of you who don't know me, my name is Wayne. I'm a pastor here at Downtown Community, and uh, I'm excited today as we uh, continue our series we're calling Resolution. Resolution. And uh, typically in January, uh, we have some type of pursuit where we make a New Year's resolution or we plan for the year or we, we look at what was and say, you know what, I didn't quite measure up here. How can I do better at this? But I don't know, maybe this year you've thrown that out just because of the pandemic, because if you look like at last year, it's like, man, we kind of like went backwards in almost every category, it seems. I mean, that's not 100% true, obviously, um, but... Um, but yeah, the, uh, so we are, uh, we're talking about what it means to have, uh, to engage with uh, resolutions, but we're going to redefine what this is, redefine our resolutions. And so uh, if we're thinking about um, of Christ, of Jesus, um, I bet you he never had to make a New Year's resolution. Isn't that a really random? It's a really kind of a bad joke because other than just to resolve to keep doing the exact same thing he did because, yeah. And so, um, uh, but for the rest of us, typically this is a season of self-improvement. And we ask this question, what should I do about me? What should I do about me? Uh, how can I become slimmer? How can I be, get smarter or, or be, you know, be, get out of debt or be more secure or whatever it may be? And so where we ended last week, and we're going to put these words on the screen, and where, where um, I want to begin was, was with the two questions that we asked last week, um, which is, you know, what needs to be done around me? What needs to be done around me? And what breaks your heart? What breaks your heart? What bothers you? What can't you let go? We have a lot of needs. I see, if we begin to ask this question, it changes our approach to the year. Because instead of saying, you know, what, do, what needs to be done about me, that will just lead, to a, you, lead you down a path really of more frustration. Because that will never end. And so we're learning to ask a better question. A better question. What bothers you? What breaks your heart? How about this question? At the end of my life, at the end of my life, I would like people to line up and thank me for, what would you, what would you put in that slot? At the end of my life, I want people to line up and thank me for this. Here's the thing about this question. As you think about that, the problem with that is the answer will require something of you. The answer will require something of you. It will require time. It will require money. It will mean missed opportunities. It will mean that you missed some family activities. And depending on your family of origin and what happens, that could be a big deal. It will cost you some life. To really answer that question and to be at the end of your life and for that to happen well, it will cost you some life. What I define as life, here are some categories that maybe you'll resonate with, is time. 
Time is precious to you. You don't have that much of it. You know, for most of us here, we work a lot. We work a lot. And so the time that we have for our personal self is precious. We don't want to just give that up. And it's, some of you are like, I don't have any time. And that's the thing. That is life for you and me. And then, and then money. Money is a big deal. It's what provides you the things that you have. It's a way for you to live. It, it, it's, it's sustenance. It's, it's, it's fun. It's all these different things. Money is a part of our life. And then I would say reputation. Reputation is life. If you lose your reputation, you're devastated. If it, you know, you, you're worried about what other people think. You're worried about what your family thinks. You're worried about your neighbors around you, your coworkers, other people that have influence in your life. You want to have a good reputation. You may even have a public reputation that you worry about. And so you spend a lot of time on how you are perceived publicly because that means life to you. Or opportunity. Opportunity is life, something that is moving you towards the future. And opportunity always leads into, hopefully for you maybe, is advancement. Advancement means life. It means that you're moving. You are taking advantage of those opportunities, and you are moving forward. Advancement will mean life to you. Those things are life. And by nature, all of us are life preservers. By nature, all of us are life preservers. We want to save our life. We want to protect those things. And so we're really good at this. We try to be really good at this. So we have insurance for just about anything you can, you can possibly imagine. And then you've got to keep adding them. So for me, I have car insurance. Even in Jersey City, I've got a car. I've got car insurance. I have health insurance. I'm thankful for that. I have identity insurance. I have renter's insurance. I know there's something I'm forgetting. It's crazy. We're trying to preserve our life. I have life insurance. That's what it is. My wife, Erin, you can rest easy tonight. I've got life insurance. It's not, it's not amazing. I'll say that. We have seatbelts, airbags, health care. We value these things. And now we're working on vaccinations. Those, you know, we want to save our life. So that's what we do. But Jesus came along and said, there's a different way to live that goes a little bit against what you want to protect that will really bring you life. I think I've actually got the, the wrong notes in front of me that were going to eventually be on the screen, so I have to pull the right ones up just, just so you guys know. <laughs> um, but Jesus says this. He says, well, he sort of says this. Whoever devotes themselves to themselves will have nothing but themselves to show for themselves. He actually didn't say that. That, that sounds a little bit more about a paraphrase that I would put together, right? But uh, he said something along a line of, of that. And I want to lead you to what he did say. This is found in Luke 14, verses 25 through 27. And he has this huge Crowd have been constantly following him. And they're after all the fun stuff, the things that they can get out of it. And Jesus begins to, to bring them down to the realness of who he is. And he, and he actually kind of turns on this crowd. Listen to what he says. This is Luke 14, verses 25 to 27. It says, large crowds were traveling with Jesus. 
This is a common thing. He was beginning to grow in popularity when he was here. And and then he says, in turning to them, he said, if anyone comes to me and does not hate father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters. Wait. Did he just say hate? Like, Okay, well, my New Year's resolution to uh, have better time with family, we'll just scratch that off, okay? Like, wow, like, really? And so hate, you know, and this was originally written in Greek, but it's not too far off of the, 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 the emotion that Jesus was saying here, but it's a hyperbole. It's a hyperbole. Hate isn't the actual, well, anyway, it's, it's, it's really just saying it's the willingness to say no to these people. He says, whoever hates their father, mother, wife, children, brothers, and sisters, what is he really saying? He's saying, are you willing to say no to them, to reject their authority? And the point that Jesus is getting to here and to them was who will be the authority and master of your life? And so Jesus says, uh, if, you know, your wife, children, your brothers and sisters, and then he says, yes, even their own life. All right, so so much for diet and exercise, right? He says, yes, even their own life. Such a person cannot be my disciple. Wow. That's what Jesus said. Such a person cannot be my disciple. The question that he was beginning to bring to them was, who is going to be in control? What is going to be the pursuit and the purpose, the end goal of your life? And if you're new or beginning to follow Christ, this is a pretty amazing thing to hear. So when Jesus says, hate their own life, what that means is it means to submit their decisions to Jesus. You can't follow you and Jesus. You can't follow you and him. The essence of following Jesus is self-denial, not self-improvement. The essence of following Jesus is self-denial. Self-improvement as an end, as an end goal, ultimately is empty because it will never End. It will never fill you up. And whatever you put in it, that's all you have to show for it. And for Jesus, the essence and the core of following him really is self-denial. And this kind of puts down and puts aside the, those who would say, well, Jesus, okay, I'll accept that he's a good teacher. I mean, he just came along, and that's why he had such a great influence in the world, because he had a lot of great things to say, and that's, that's kind of all that's at. But that's not what Jesus based his teaching on. It was all based upon himself. And denying yourself to follow him. And so when it comes to self-improvement, Jesus isn't against self-improvement or family relationships. That's not what what he's saying here. And this is an obvious thing if you read through everything that, that Jesus was about. You need to be the best person you can be. And if you follow him and you allow the gospel to impact your life, it will bring you towards life change and heart change in great, incredible ways. But you've got to decide once and for all who is calling the shots in your life. 
Is he really your savior? But Jesus wasn't done with, with saying everything. Here is the crowd thinning statement. Jesus then goes on to say, he says, and whoever does not carry their cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. Now you and I, we have more of an idea of what it means to carry the cross. Most people, even if you're not religious, you, you, you know the imagery of the cross and Jesus had to carry his cross before he was crucified on that. And so we have an image of it. But for them, when he said this to them, it would have invoked incredible emotion because the Romans were the ones who were crucifying people and they had perfected this like, awful um, type of death. It was a gruesome death and they had perfected this almost art of death, as crazy as that sounds. And so for him to say, whoever does not carry the cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. It would have invoked an emotion. He's saying, it would have invoked a visual. And what Jesus was saying, you need to die to you. Die to yourself to say yes to me. You die to your life. And we talked about the things we think that will bring us life for the sake of Jesus. We're saying those things are first. He is. That's what it means to ultimately say, I'm a follower of Christ. I'm going after him. So at this point, the what's in it for me people that were following him, this crowd, they left. They formed some other new form of exercise. Um, and with the 30-day 30, 30 free trial, all these other different things, like they, they, formed some new, like they just went on to something that helped themselves. This is a crowd-thinning statement. And to you and me, it can sound like a downer. Like, I don't, I don't think I like that. Like, are you, are you sure? But actually, it's the better offer. It's the better offer. But you must say no to you first before the better offer. Listen to what he said in another occasion, and Mark is the one who recorded this, and, and Luke was someone who just interviewed tons of people about who Jesus was and got incredible details, and Mark was with him, around him. And Mark says here, he says, then he called the crowd to him along with his disciples and said, whoever wants to be my disciples must deny themselves, so you're telling yourself no, and take up their cross and follow me. There's that phrase again, take up your cross and follow me, saying adopt my agenda, pursue me. He says, for whoever wants to save their life, that's the life preserver, right? We're trying to save our life. The ultimate priority in that circumstance is yourself. Whoever wants to save their life will lose it. You will lose it all. That's all you'll get. Then he says, but whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. We'll save you. We'll save it. This is not about being a martyr. 
This is saying that you, Jesus, are the supreme authority even over me. We are saying you are the greatest thing that I can pursue. You are the one thing that will bring me joy in life. You are the one thing that promises me hope beyond anything right now. I see and know that you defeated death in the grave. You prove that you are the son of God. And therefore, your pursuits of me are the best pursuits that could be of me. And that means that you are God, and you, that means you are the greatest thing and the most satisfactory thing that I could pursue. we got to let go of our lives and say, that's not the priority for me. It's Jesus. And that is hard. It's not about actually dying. Some people have given up their lives for Christ. Yes, that has, but that's not what he's getting at. This is, it's not about being irresponsible. It's about something bigger. Whoever wants to save their life, whatever you do to get that, you will lose it. Whoever loses their life for Christ and for the gospel will save it. It was not a, a call to throw their lives away. Rather, it was a call to give their lives away to something bigger, better, and more fulfilling, to the ultimate thing you and I could ever pursue. Jesus was offering a way to rescue our lives from us. From ourselves, because left to ourselves, we will live for ourselves and we will risk total loss. We will chase whatever it can to make me happy in this moment. And even if I, even if I know it will destroy me, we still pursue it. We, we pursue things through our own destruction over and over again, left to ourselves. That's what we constantly pursue. This is why you look around at the world and you're so frustrated because we just keep destroying ourselves. We keep believing crazy lies and we're angry at one another. Sin and destruction is wreaking havoc. We're very aware of that. No matter how much advancement we make, we can't get beyond ourselves. And that's why we need Christ and to pursue this better way. Whoever devotes themselves to themselves will have nothing at the end to show for themselves but themselves. When they die, that's it. And it's a total loss. Do you know who celebrates the self-centered person? Only one person. <laughs> Them. That's it. The celebration ceases at the, his or her last breath. You are not enough for you to live for. There is more to you than a body. There is more to you than a balance sheet, more than your weight, more than your finances, whatever it may be, more than a relationship or having one or not having one, whatever it may be. So come join in. Lean your life into something bigger than yourself. This is an invitation to significance. It's an invitation to a life with meaning. Just because there is uncertainty in your life, 
that there's pain in your life, it does not mean that you can't have meaning. It does not mean that you can't have purpose. Uncertainty, pain, all those things, frustration, all that stuff, it can happen in your life and you can still be pursuing a life of meaning and purpose. And so why we believe that if I'm suffering or if I'm in pain or things are uncertain, then my life doesn't have meaning anymore and that it cannot be further from the truth. You can have meaning no matter what's happening Jesus is inviting us to that kind of life. Do you want to live a life of significance? Are you going to take then seriously the words of Jesus? Are his words and life leading you to life? That's something worth pursuing. pursuing. So, what does it mean for you to say no to yourself, to these things in your life that are life, to not just be a life preserver about everything, but begin to let it go for him, to begin to let go and let him be in control. That's what it means to step forward and follow Christ. Some of you like being in the crowd. You just like being the one that's following him and listening to his words and hearing about what he says. And that is an incredible place to start. That's where Jesus invites you in. You, our starting point with him is to listen. You don't have to believe to start with Christ. You come and you listen. You find out about who he is. But at some point, you have to step away from the crowd and say, I'm ready to step towards you. And ultimately, to make the world a better place, you're going to have to say no to you. So you can say yes to something bigger than you. This pandemic has confronted our culture of happiness and, and, and playing to ourselves. And when things are going pretty good, it's easy to get lost in that. But now we're so frustrated. We feel mad. Because these things we stood on have been taken away. So let's find something with deeper meaning. The challenge with pursuing purpose, the challenge with pursuing all these different meanings is that it's always found just across the border from what's in it for me. From that place where you're trying to get everything and pursue things for yourself, it's across the river, essentially where purpose is. You will have to say no to you. You will choose to lose. You will let go of progress. You will let go of an opportunity possibly, a promotion even. That, even, that happens. Whatever it may be, it depends on where your life is and what you're pursuing. If you follow Christ, you will have to say no to you. No to what you want at some point in time. That's what it always will lead to. And are you willing to do that? That is where you will begin to find life. You will take a hit. You won't always see it, but you will eventually begin to understand that and you will live that. You'll begin to find life. You will begin to find abundant life. And at some point, you'll be like, you know what? I don't know why I even pursued those things. This is all I want to go after. It is in your best interest to be so interested 
excuse me, not to be interested. I said that is in your best interest to not be interested in yourself. If you focus on you, you will be empty. And if you pursued it, maybe you've been here, you will eventually get to that place. But if you focus on others, you will be full. I was watching a story of someone who went through New City Kids recently, and he became this huge audio producer for, for a huge artist. Very many well-owned current artists in our country, some of the top people. He talked about they had these huge, extravagant lives. He said they are some of the most empty people that he was around. Some of the most empty people that he had ever encountered. Isn't that incredible? You could be the most amazing person on the planet and be completely empty. And here's the crazy thing. You cannot give yourself away and be empty. It just fills you up. If wants to lose their life for, for Christ's sake, for the gospel's sake, gain it. Let's begin to experience that this year, DCC. In February, next week, we're going to begin to invite you to take a step to serve with us, to engage some kind of way. We're going to begin to open up online serving teams. I want to encourage you, if you haven't done this already, to find one place, one step to serve. Once a month, you can do something. There will be many opportunities. There will be places to serve one another. You can submit scripture videos, just like Chantel did earlier today. We're going to invite you to share stories about what you're doing in the pandemic, to share stories with one another, how God is working in your life. We're going to invite you to be on online serving teams. You can become a greeter. If you love saying hello to people, that would be a great place to start. You can join and be part of our band. That's something that we would love for people to engage in. There are amazing places for you to engage and to serve. I'm inviting you this year to grow. You're going to give up some time, some life away to, to stick with us out on Sundays and be part of our Connect Path. There are four, there are four steps in our Connect Path, and, the, and it's going to start next week, the first Sunday of February. I want to encourage you to commit to go through those four steps over the next six months. We'll do all four almost every single month. I want to invite you to grow, and I want to invite you to connect. Find places. Maybe you'll be in an online dinner group. Stay with us in our online lobby after services on Sunday. Let's find ways to connect with one another. These are things that will lead you towards life and purpose in Christ. DCC, let's change the dialogue this year, and I believe you'll begin to experience what it means to be the body of Christ together. And you will find purpose in your own life because you are part of a greater purpose and story that he's leading you towards. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you so much for your words for us. Jesus, I thank you for these powerful words that ring so true in our world today. I pray that you give us the faith to trust you. I pray for some of us here who've been in the crowd, who've not been ready to take that step forward and trust you and say, I'm ready for you to be a follower of you, to be baptized, whatever. Be. God, I pray that you give them strength to pursue you that way today. 
for all of us. Help us to get out of our selfish pursuits and to love others. I pray that 2021 really will be different. Not because of what the world did, but because of the steps that we took to trust you. Thank you to ask all this in your name. Amen.